welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangu, and on this episode, we have a session from the Digiday Retail Summit held in Austin, Texas in April. How do you elevate the online shopping experience for customers? That's what Matt Zislow, Wayfair's head of product, is focused on. In this session, hear about the tech that powers Wayfair, from personalized product recommendations based on customers' home decor styles to helping customers figure out how a piece of furniture will look and fit in their homes. I think when we talk about retailers investing in tech, a lot of times it is to improve the online shopping experience, but there's a lot of different ways you can do that. You know, you can invest more in personalization, you can invest in new search features like visual search. Uh, so can you first talk about when Wayfair is thinking about what new tech to invest in, kind of what do you consider? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and let me just start by giving a little bit of context about Wayfair. Uh, so Wayfair, uh, we're currently on online only uh, home goods retailer. Um, we operate in the US, Canada, the UK, and Germany uh, across five retail brands. Uh, so Wayfair is our uh, mass market brand. Uh, and we also have a few other brands that target uh, different style and price point combos. Uh, so we have brands called, including All Modern, Birch Lane, uh, Joss and Main uh, and Paragold, um, which we launched recently. Um, uh, we uh, did about $7 billion of revenue last year. Um, public guidance is about $10 billion this year. So it's a rapidly growing company, um, really benefiting from the shift of spending uh, you know, from brick and mortar to online, um, which has been a broad-based trend. Um, and so the way that we think about uh, you know, how, to invest our, um, how to invest our very precious engineering resources, uh, data science resources, um, is really everything has to start with, what, with a customer problem. Um, so if you look at the work that we do across our teams, and we've got um, we, have, we have about 800 uh, folks on, on, the, on the teams that I lead, which build all of Wayfair's websites and apps. Uh, that, that includes engineering, data science, UX design, product managers, uh, analytics folks. Um, so our work tends to fall into three big buckets, all of which tie back to solving important problems for our customers. Um, and so the first bucket of our work um, is around uh, just the core funnel. Um, so just making sure that each step in the shopping journey, from getting inspiration and discovering things you're looking for if you're not totally sure, um, to um, searching and browsing, right? So we have about 14 million products in our catalog, all of which have uh, different option and color combinations. So we, we effectively have hundreds of billions of individual products on our site. Um, and so how do we help customers who, most of whom don't have any, any idea what they're looking for? How do we help them very quickly find things that are perfect for them? Um, and how do we do that um, in, in a world where about 60% of all of our traffic happens on mobile web, um, most of which is on like really bad 3G and 4G connections. So it's a really interesting set of, of UX problems, data science problems around, around making the core funnel as seamless and as friction-free as possible. Uh, the, second, the second bucket of work um, is around personalizing the experience. Um, so we tailor our experience along a few different vectors. Um, one is we have massive amounts of data about our customers, uh, and we use that data to personalize the experience in, in, in countless ways, both on-site and in our offline channels. Um, we also tailor based on what you're shopping for, right? So, you know, we sell, you know, if you look at our catalog, we sell hot tubs and we sell lamps and rugs and wall art, like, and each of which has a very different customer journey. And so how do we create a journey that feels like the, our site was built just for whatever you happen to be shopping for? Um, and then the third bucket of our work is around making everything hyper fast. Um, so we have, we are completely obsessed with making every page and screen in our sites and apps the fastest in the world. Um, we're, we're already well ahead of the competition on many of our core pages, um, but we have large and growing teams that are focused on squeezing every millisecond 
millisecond out of every single interaction that's possible because that, that makes customers happier and drives really concrete results. And so that's kind of the broad framing of how we think about our, about our product strategy and our work. Um, and then you know, the, you know, we, we think about tech not as the end, but as a means to solve some of those problems. Um, so for example, you know, one of the big problems that our customers have to solve um, is you know, most many of our customers start from a point of, well, I just I saw this picture on Instagram, and it looks like this beautiful living room. And my living room doesn't, doesn't look like that, but I want it to look like that. But I have no idea how to actually accomplish that. There's no brands in home, right? So you can't just go to, it's not like going to Amazon and searching for Duracell batteries if that's what you want, or an LG TV. Um, most customers have a visual of what they're looking for, but no way to translate that into these specific products meet my needs, and, and so they can add it to cart and buy. And so computer vision um, is a technology that we've been investing very heavily in for the last several years. Um, but we do it not because it's a cool technology, although it is very cool in many ways, um, but because it helps us solve that customer problem very elegantly and scalably. Um, and so we've been making major investments in computer vision. I can talk about some of the more detailed yeah. applications uh, as we go along. Uh, that's yeah, one, we one got part. a lot to talk about. Yeah. So first of all, uh, how much of the work that you do you do is in-house? How do you think about what to build in-house versus what to outsource? Yeah, so um, on my teams, um, so we build all of our customer-facing product. Um, the, the vast majority of what we build is, is in-house. Um, uh, we have, um, you know, and, and that's for a few important reasons. One is that, um, you know, we as Wayfair, you know, w when we're deciding whether to build versus buy, we go through the same criteria that probably most of you go through, which is, you know, is this piece of technology, is it core to our competitive advantage? Um, are there third parties who can do it just much better and cheaper than us? Are we confident that if we rely on a third party that they're going to be around, you know, as long as we hope to be around, and that they can support our growth and, and our need to, to really personalize and build really sophisticated technology? And in most cases, um, the answer is, is no, particularly given our, our scale. Um, and so we, we, we've built, um, you know, all of our customer experience elements that I just described, uh, including our 3D, uh, our, our 3D visualization tools, our computer vision, um, our augmented reality. Um, we built that all in-house with our, with our team. We've also built large parts of our ad tech stack in-house um, uh, over the last several years. And that's just our strong bias as a company. That's yeah. also partly because our roots are a startup. Like, we're, we're a pretty scrappy company. And, you know, we didn't always have money to hire the, the, these fancy, sophisticated third parties. And so we ended up building the muscle in-house. And that's just part of our DNA. Yeah. Now. And so one of the interesting challenges that presents then is, when you are building tech systems in-house, you're not just competing with retailers for tech talent, you're also competing with you know, very big technology companies. So kind of what's your pitch to talent about why Wafer is an interesting place to work and how, why the solutions you're working on are interesting for that company? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I spend a lot of my time recruiting. So um, for us, the, our, our pitch is very simple. Um, you know, when, I, when I look at the, the kinds of uh, engineers, data scientists, product managers, UX designers, the kinds of folks who really thrive in a, in a setting like ours, um, they all have a few things in common. One is they like to solve incredibly hard problems um, and problems that are unique that you really can't solve anywhere else. They like to work with other awesome people. I feel like I'm going into my, my recruiting spiel here. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, so like hard problems, really awesome people. And also the, you know, Wayfair has a really interesting combination of stability and growth, right? So, um, you know, particularly if you want to work in consumer tech, um, you know, it's, it's not that uh, easy to find a company that is public and really big and growing and has all the resources that affords you, but is also 1% penetrated compared to our full market opportunity, right? So we did, uh, you know, we're, we're at a $600 billion 
dollar market that's in depth, that's slowly slowly moving online. And so that's like that 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 has been resonating pretty yeah. well with folks. But yeah, I think it's it's something that when I talk to other companies, that's a challenge as well. You know, you want to build things in house, but then you have to go and find the talent to help you build in house. So yeah. how do you uh, try to recruit that talent? So you mentioned earlier that the way Wayfair thinks about what tech to invest in is you start with a customer problem. So can you talk about uh, a feature you've built recently, maybe over the past year, and kind of uh, what customer problem you were seeing, and then how you decided on uh, a solution to invest in to solve that? Yeah. Um, so um, one of the very common customer problems um, is, uh, you know, I'm looking at this this couch online, and I think I, I think I l like the way it looks. It's it's got, it has a lot of good reviews. I like the return policy, but I'm not totally sure if it'll actually fit. And fit means different things in different contexts. But for some people, if you have a small apartment, will this thing actually fit through my door? Um, will it fit relative to the other stuff that I have in my room that I'm not totally getting rid of? Um, will, all, will it all just look good in proportion? Um, will, it, will it fit, you know, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm not, but maybe I'm like 6'8", and I wanted to make sure it's, it's actually comfortable. And so there's a large number of super interesting problems around will this thing actually fit? And it's really important that we give customers context and confidence uh, in order to get them to click, uh, to click buy for something like this online, um, which is still a, a really uncomfortable uh, experience for most consumers, particularly, particularly older consumers. And so um, we're doing a number of things around the company. Some, that, some are not at all what you consider high tech. Um, but, but, but some of which are, and one of the most recent ones is 3D Room Planner. Mm. Um, so we've been, we've been iterating on uh, room planning and, and visualization technology for at least for a few years. Uh, a couple of years ago, um, we had this hypothesis that you know, if customers had a way to visualize how products looked in a space, that that would, uh, that would improve the experience in ways that are measurable. And so we launched a very, um, I'm proud to say that we were embarrassed by it at first, because if you're not embarrassed by what the first thing you launched, you probably took too long to launch it. And so we launched a very scrappy version of a 2D Room Planner um, and then we got very strong engagement numbers, and we also had the benefit of we've had millions of rooms created by millions of customers, which has given us lots of data from actual customers about what they want, what they, do, what they like, what they don't like. That led to um, our ability to launch 3D Room Planner, which we recently launched. Um, it's a very early V1. Uh, it's live on parts of our site. Um, uh, and that's a fully 3D experience that where you can um, you know, create a 3D room and then bring in uh, products that are all 3D and then you can change the camera angle. So it's, it's a very cool uh, development platform that we'll be improving upon with, with ben the benefit of real data from the users um, over the next several quarters. Um, but it all goes back to it's not just that we wanted to build a cool 3D experience. We wanted to help customers build confidence that if they're looking at something on a screen, they're going to actually love it. It's going to be comfortable. It's going to fit. It's not going to be a hassle when it shows up. And 3D technology um, uh, you know, is a, was a means to help us do that. Yeah, and you also bring up an interesting point in regards to data collection that this new technology is also really important in helping you gather more da data to understand mm -hmm. how uh, the customer is using these features and what they're looking for. Um, so especially with kind of this earlier version, like the 2D room planning feature you mentioned that you launched, what did, what did that tell you about uh, how the customer was, was using the feature? Uh, what surprised you about how they were using it? Yeah, so one thing it told us is that customers wanted it, and we knew that through the That's really good. high <laughs> rates. And then we also knew that customers, um, you know, even though the first version of the tool was was very hacky and glitchy, um, customers kept using it. So we could see through uh, you know, the, through things like you know when customers started a room, very high percentage of customers added multiple items to the room and came back later and viewed it on multiple devices. We saw people organically sharing their rooms with other people, and so that gave us a really strong signal that this is an experience, warts and all, that that solves a fundamental customer problem. 
the question was then how do we make it as good as possible, as fast as possible? And so then we started getting insights from customers and that led to, you know, the, the half the customers love the 2D version and actually still use it um, because what they're trying to do is they're, they're looking for products that exist on a 2D plane, right? So for example, if you're doing a gallery wall, right? All you really, you don't really need a full 3D really sexy solution. You just need a 2D plane to see how the different picture frames look together. Um, the other half, didn't love it because they wanted to do a full room plan and they, they really needed the things that 3D enable us to do. Yeah. Um, so what's, what else are you working on with that feature? Um, what are some of the new uh, things that Wayfair will be adding to 3D room planning that you can talk about? Yeah. So without getting into too much, so yeah. we'll, be, we'll be telling this story um, you know, in the coming quarters. But you know, if you think, go back to the customer problems, right? So when you're designing your living room, for example, you, know, you need to know that things will fit. Another big problem that the customers have is they need to, they need to have confidence that things will look good together, right? So if I, I've got my existing living room, I sort of like the look, I've got these pictures on Pinterest and I kind of like how they look and I kind of want to meld those together somehow. And so being able to give customers recommendations um, for products that look good in their space uh, using our 3D technology, also using our computer vision technology where we're training models, uh, not just to recommend products that are visually similar, um, which is where you see many applications of computer vision these days is, is like features like search with photo or image search. Um, but also training models to be able to recognize the style of, of rooms and be able to make recommendations for things that look good programmatically. That's super exciting, uh, and you, you'll, you should expect to see things like that folding into that experience. The, yeah. other, the other thing is, you know, you, you need to be able to, um, most customers want to design in an image of their own room, not just a generic box, and so being able to use your phone to scan your room and create a 3D, mo a, a, a 3D model with accurate dimensions to start the experience is another thing that will be, so mm. it's kind of the intersection of AR, computer vision, and 3D is, is where that's headed. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about visual search, um, mm -hmm. because on the one hand, it's a really interesting way to connect online and offline. Uh, on the other hand, you know, not a lot of customers are using it yet. I've kind of heard it compared to uh, the Shazam app where you can like find a song that uh, in the sense that customers might use it every once in a while, but some people think it might not become a regular behavior. How, how is Wayfair thinking about visual search and how customers are using it or mm -hmm. might use it? Yeah, so, so for us, visual search is one of, at this point, dozens of applications that we build on top of our computer vision system. Right? So if you go next to our search bar, you'll see a camera, and that allows you to snap a photo or upload a photo and then find visually similar products. Um, so you're right. I mean, it's, without just disclosing engagement data, if you look at where, the, where we're getting the value out of computer vision, it's actually uh, feature, cases where um, the, the, the customers in, interacting with our, computer, with our computer vision system without even knowing it. Um, and so many of the applications that we've, where we found actually very substantial value from computer vision um, is powering back-end features where what the, the customer problem is, I just want to see things that look good or similar to this thing. And so one, one example is um, you know, on our out-of-stock experience, right? So uh, out-of-stock is a, you know, an issue for us and so as, is, as it is with every retailer. And so what, the way the world used to work is if a customer landed on a product that was out-of-stock, um, she could enter her email address and then opt in to get it emailed later if and when that product comes back in stock. Predictably, that was a very low-value uh, way of extending that customer journey. Um, and so now, um, you know, we're using computer vision to, instead of that path, we instantly recommend products that are visually similar um, right in line. And that had a very significant impact by improving the customer experience, because if you've gone through all the effort to come to the site, 
browse from like millions and millions of products and find one that you really love. And then we say, sorry, but it's out of stock. That's such a disappointing experience. And so we've used computer vision to erase that frustration. And, and, and that's, had, that's had good results, too. So that's, that's, and that's yeah, where. But that's I, think, I think that's such an important point to bring yeah. up as well, that a lot of times customers don't know what, if they're interacting with a new feature, what technology mm -hmm. that was built using. So, right. right, people think about computer vision and they just think about visual mm -hmm. search, but there's a ton of different ways you can use that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for our customers also, like we, our, our customers, if you think about, you know, our, our customers are homeowners and you know, they're, they're a, bit, a bit older than, than most folks. They're not, they're not as tech savvy as, as probably the folks in this room, or as definitely as my, my engineers and data scientists yeah. are. Um, uh, and so um, for our customers, like they, 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 they don't want to come to our site. They don't come to our site to use visual search or to use 3D Room Planner or to do this. They, they come to buy things that they love. Um, and do it in a really easy way. And so our, the best expression of these technologies, in my opinion, is when they're working without the customers even having to know that they're working. Right. Um, OK, so we have a few minutes for questions. Does anyone have a question or two for Matt? We have a mic coming around. OK, I see someone in the front. Thanks. So you talked a lot about how everything starts with a customer challenge. Can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about how you identify those challenges, how you make sure they're really a challenge for the customer, and how you prioritize? Because I'm sure there's multiples. Yeah, no, great questions. Um, so the first part of the answer, so how do we know what, what problems customers have, is we talk to customers. So we, we, across the company, not just my teams, we're completely obsessed with understanding who our customers are um, and, and what problems they face, not just in the context of buying stuff for their home, um, but just what problems are they trying to solve when they're, you know, they have homes and they want to create homes and spaces they love. And so we do a, a large amount of both qualitative and quantitative customer research. Um, the other thing, the other, another great way to learn what customers want um, and whether we're effectively solving their problems is we can just test things. And so one of the benefits of having such large, like we, we have really massive scale and that's really healthy because that enables us to, uh, to just test rapidly and get real data from customers' behavior, not, not just what they say they want or, or what the problems are, but what they actually empirically do. And so you know, the kind of secret sauce of our approach is combining you know, really deep qualitative understanding of who our customers are with um, a very data-driven, uh, test-driven uh, approach that helps us kind of triangulate on what the truth is over time. Sure. Yeah. Um, we have time for like one more question. Anyone else? Okay. Hey, thanks. Um, so you mentioned that you had a lot of in-house development, right? So when it comes to in-house development, did you face any challenges in order to push a product to the market, sense of urgency? Because when you are having a team in-house versus you outsource a team. So were there any challenges in terms of uh, changing your roadmap, the strategy to push a product to the market? Um, so there definitely are challenges in having a large team, but that's, the sense of urgency is not one of them. Um, that's for a few reasons. One is that Wayfair has always been a build. Like, so we, we've always had in-house development. So th th there wasn't a moment where we decided we're not going to use out like, third parties. We're going to do it in-house. And so this just built, Wayfair is a startup by its origins, and so it, led by engineers. And so it's just been part of our DNA from the beginning to build things in-house. The second thing is everyone at Wayfair owns Wayfair stock, and so everyone is super motivated to help the company grow because that you know everyone's incentives are, are aligned there. And the third is um, you know we we hire people who love to just build shit and make customers happier and drive results and work with other people who want to do that too. And so a big part of it is like how we compose our team, who we hire, and, and how we set expectations and what our culture is. That that creates intrinsic motivation to get the job done. So that's that's a bit hand wavy, but that's that's the way that it actually works. Yeah. All right, great. Well, thanks, yeah, Matt. Of course.
Thank you. And that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked our show, then I hope you will go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast to leave a review and a rating. It really helps us find new listeners. And I will be back next week with a new episode.